Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. The reason why I want to share uh, from Psalm 112, I'm not going to really make much reference to it. The only thing I do want to say, which is very important, is if you are listening carefully, you will hear the language of legacy running right through that psalm. The psalmist understood that the the decisions that we make today affect the tomorrow. The decisions and how we live our lives, the choices that we make, have an eternal consequence. He is talking about how he handles his affairs with other people. How he handles those around him. How he is generous. How he is righteous. And this all leads me to one word, legacy. Now I wasn't um, due to preach this message, but as a result of the, um, what happened on Thursday and his hearing of the passing of the Queen, I felt it was appropriate actually to change my ministry completely. So this is something of just some reflections, if it's okay, that I want to share with regards to this thought of legacy, very much in line with what I've been reading and what I've been hearing. And I, like Josh, was quite impacted more than I thought I would be when I heard the news of her passing. And uh, there one, I, I was immediately asked by, by the, the church team to write a tribute. You may have received that. If you didn't receive it, it's because you're not on our database. And we just encourage you to give us your details. We'll always be respectful. And there's a, an email that goes out, you know, uh, most weeks of an encouragement. And, and in it, I just wrote a very short tribute of of just something of a reflection uh, on behalf of the church. There was one particular phrase I used of legacy. It's interesting as a result of that, just go with me for a moment. One of our guys in our Belper campus, uh, a couple of days after this email went out, and he's a very astute man, he sent me an email and it's always fateful, you wonder, oh my goodness, what have I said? You know, when you get an email from, from one of you, please, you have to understand, you think, what have I said? What have I done? Okay, why do we always go negative? I don't, I don't know. It was a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, email. And I just uh, happened to uh, uh, make this comment about uh, this phrase, what a legacy she's left. And he, this is his comments. I'm not changing any words. He said, I know what you meant, and the connection with Arena Legacy Builders, I'm not going there today, was not lost on me. Intended or not, but there was later a greater, maybe even prophetic sense in which I saw King Charles III flying into Northolt in a private jet manufactured by the Embraer Company and the type, the model, Legacy. (laughs) As one reign ends, one legacy, no, not ends, but continues with all the memories and good it brought, so a new one comes to the fore. One that we have caught a glimpse of over his 73 years in the public eye. One which is continuing his promise not to meddle, but I pray will preserve and promote the Christian faith. One monarch leaving behind a legacy, her successor being jet jet propelled by one into his new role. I say that because we are going to, for a moment, just take some thoughts on reflections on the whole thought of legacy. But I also want to encourage you next week... We have a week of prayer and I think it's important that we now pray and we continue to pray with earnest for our new monarch. There is a little uncertainty around his faith, his clear faith, but we know that God is able to do the immeasurably more. 
And we want, as we have had previously, a monarch who knows God for herself. We want Charles, King Charles, to know God for himself. And I would encourage you to come and join with us next week on our early morning prayers. Because on Tuesday and Thursday, we will make that a point of of, um, reflection as well. So Psalm 112, as I said, is, is a great psalm in that it talks about what we are known for. When I was thinking about the Queen and she left a legacy, there have been many people who've commented the good and the great, and they've all mentioned numbers of values and qualities and principles in which she lived by. In essence, they were saying this, the Queen was known for dot, dot, dot. Can I ask you a question? What are you known for? Can I ask a question? Josh, what is this community of faith known for? Can I ask another question that's wider? What are you known for in this community? Which is a really important question. Because it takes us beyond these walls into the very part where my good friend Richard for two minutes took us into our community. The Queen was known for many, many things and that um, those values have become and were her legacy. Are you still with me? So we need to understand when we look at legacy, we're also connecting what are we known for. Let me leave you just a proverb. It says this, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Now we've misunderstood this word inheritance to be possessions. I actually think there's a much wider context around that whole thought of inheritance because this is what I want to say if you're taking notes and I'd encourage you to take notes and we are going to get somewhere in a minute but inheritance is what we leave behind legacy is who we leave behind inheritance is what we leave behind but legacy is who we leave behind you see I want you to know and there's many new people here today the prize is always people the prize is always people As soon as we move away from people to other things, we have lost the prize. You know, there's only one thing that we're going to take to heaven and that's souls. You're not going to take your bank balance. You're not going to take your house. You're not going to take your car. You're not going to take your fancy trainers. Ben, you're not going to take your football club. The only thing you're going to take to heaven, the only thing we're going to take to heaven is our our souls. And we're going to carry people with us and we believe in that there's going to be many, many people in this town. That we're going to be impacted. And we want to leave a legacy in people. In people. I'll come on to this building in a moment. We thank God for this building, but it's never been about this building. This building is just a big boat to go fishing from. Hey, Paul, that's all we ever bought it for. And so when I think about legacy, it's who we leave behind in people and what we leave in them. And there are five things that I couldn't help but write That I want to be known for, Josh. Both now and into my future. So when people say of Christian, this is what he was known for. This is the legacy that is left. Now there will be other things that I can reflect on and think of and that my life needs to reflect. And I may comment on that. But these were five things that I just, they're probably just in the the sense that quite now for me. So the first one I want to leave a legacy of prayer. I want to leave a legacy of prayer. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, pray without ceasing. 
I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, who was a Pentecostal pioneer. He said this, he says, I never pray for more than 10 minutes, but I don't go 10 minutes without praying. There was a lifestyle of prayer. And the realization of, of my life is this, that the more I go on with God, the, 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 I realize how prayerless I am. And now God is wanting to draw me into a deeper relationship of prayer. And it's not because I think that's the way I can get to God because it's a driven thing. No, it's because I want to be with the Father. Jesus said many, many times, I only want to do the will of the Father. He went to the Father to find out what his heart was for the world and for humanity when Jesus was walking the earth. He also wanted to go to the Father because he, needed, he, he knew that his presence was enough. If you're not here today and you don't know anything of what we're talking about today, you don't know that hope, you don't know that peace, it's because you don't know the presence of God. You don't know the presence of Jesus. I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said, I think as Christians we can become over familiar with the presence and peace of God. I said, I know what you mean. We know that we've got something, we walk in it and we sometimes forget it. But you realise it when people haven't got it, particularly at death. Many people have no peace and no hope at death. And then it becomes a stark contrast to the people of God. Whilst we mourn the person who's just gone, we have a living hope in that we will see them again. (laughs) And if you want to know the peace and presence of God it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ and at the end I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to be able to pray that prayer and begin the journey but let me say that's why I pray because I want to have his presence wash over me Wes I need his presence I need the Lord's presence and oftentimes we can be full of activity but actually God wants us to pray Now, just a few things that I want to say that I've said before. You need to understand as well, your prayers do not have an expiry date. Some of you have been praying for things for years, for decades. You've been praying for that prodigal. You've been praying for that family member. You've been praying for that husband. You've been praying for that wife. Whilst I understand it's painful in the prayers, can I encourage you to keep praying? To keep going. To keep trusting. To keep Stop, drop, pray. Call out to God. That is where we gain the victory. That is where battles are won. You know that, don't you? In prayer. And I also know that you guys here and the success and, you know, there's just a sense of God amongst you. You need to understand this as well with humility. You are building on the prayers of people who have gone before you. There have been many people who have prayed in this town and believed God for a move of God. I was away for the weekend and I was with a pastor on the Friday and he just said, I just sense that God is at work. There's just a shift that needs to take place and literally millions will be swept into the kingdom. And he says, I just hope I'm around long enough to be able to see it. But he reminded me of the fact that actually, even if he doesn't, he has been part of the revival process that has taken place because this man has prayed and interceded over our nation and the nations of the world for decades. You need to understand something. When God is at work, he comes as a result of the burden of prayer. And we need to pray bold, legacy-filled prayers. Big audacious prayers. 
Mark Batterson, our friend of this church, says this, bold prayers honour God because God honours bold prayers. We don't ask big enough. We don't ask long enough for what God wants to do amongst us. And let me say this in prayer. Time spent in prayer is never wasted. I wrote this in my journal because actually I was brought up to believe it was all about action. I'll come to that my fifth point. But actually, and, 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 and the, the thought was actually you pray as you go and prayer isn't as important as, as action. But I've realised this over the years. It's taken me decades to get there. Time in prayer is never wasted. It's never wasted. So I want my life to be a, a legacy of prayer. I want to be known as a man of prayer. That's remarkable because if I would say of my wife, she sends her love to you, by the way, but she's a, she's a praying woman. I'm not just saying that she is. My wife is a praying woman. She has to. She's been married, married to me for 30 years. I mean, God help her. Jesus' name, sign of the cross. You know, anybody who's spent any time with me knows what I'm talking about. Okay, but she's a praying woman. But I don't just want Caroline to be the praying woman. I want to be a praying man. I want John Butcher, who's a praying man, and Angela Butcher, great pastoral gifts, who bless the church at large. If you don't know them, they have. They're just, I don't know whether we've done a formal thing, but they've, you know, on the back of years, decades of ministering, I know they pray, but John, I want to be known as a man who prays. They don't just say of me, Paul, oh yeah, we know he loves people and we know he loves evangelism. We know he loves pioneering. But this is a man who prays. I don't think they'd say that at the moment. But I want that to be my legacy. And by the way, the queen was a woman of prayer. Secondly, I want to leave a legacy of character. Proverbs 16, verse 10 through to 12 says this, a good leader motivates, doesn't mislead, doesn't exploit. God cares about honesty in the workplace. Your business is his business. Good leaders are bore wrongdoing of all kinds. Sound leadership has a moral foundation. Don't get hung up on the word leader and say, well, I ain't that. There's a context in this applies and the appeal is to all of us. And this is the challenge. Because this Proverbs talking about the moral foundation, the moral character of our lives We don't know the queen in a sense, but there was no moral scandal around her life, even though it surrounded her family. But I see someone who had an appeal, not just for those in pomp and ceremony, because I was reading a beautiful article of the person who has helped her to dress her and was a hairdresser over COVID. I don't know whether you read the same article, but she was a docker's daughter from Liverpool. All good things come from Liverpool, eh, Ben? Forget this Man United malarkey. All good things come from Liverpool. Okay, and she was a docker's daughter. She wasn't born to privilege, but she obviously took the role on of dressing the Queen and all the rest of it. And the Queen uh, was, was very close to her in the end and actually has awarded her a grace and favour place in Windsor Grounds. This is a commoner. It's interesting that the, the Queen wasn't just interested in people of her standing. She was interested in people of low standing. You know, what I've realised in in character, character is how you treat people when they can do nothing for you. Let me just say something here. This isn't a boast. This isn't arrogance. So please don't ever think this. Some of you can't do anything for me. That could sound really arrogant. But how I treat you is very, very important. And by the way, I don't treat you any different to how I treat anybody else. I see you on the same level. You need to know that. 
Whilst recognising my position in the life of the church, I actually want to be always be able to come up and sit with whoever. The whosoever. I want you to be able to know that you have a friend in Christian. Not just Woody Toy Story. You have a friend in me. You have a friend in me. I love that film. Okay, I love it. Absolutely love it. But you do, you have a friend in me. Some people don't know this about me. I don't say this to boast or to be arrogant, but I make time to make, and Christine knows this, so, and, and Olivia, I try and spend time. I have meetings, I have coffee meetings with people who are coming out of addiction, who are coming out of problems. Some people don't know that about me. It would be very easy, Paul, for me to stay in the office. You see me on Thursday, it's usually a staff day. But, you know, and, and hide away. And some pastors love hiding away. I've never wanted to be that kind of pastor. I want to be able to just connect with whoever. And you know what? That tells me uh, about the character, if I can say this about my life, and that actually tells me about the character of your life. Because everything about you says something about you. And if all you're ever interested in is the people of high standing, who, those who are powerful and who can do something for you, that tells me everything about you. And I see a lot of leaders who behave like that. So character for me are things like humility and truthfulness and morality and forgiveness and benevolence. I'm getting the opportunity of meeting some very impressive people at the moment. But the true test is how I converse with a child. That devastated young person. That broken, damaged person who has nothing. That tells me everything about the character of a person. I want to be known as a man of character. You know, there are many talented people. I often say now, I've got two left feet, I've got two left dancing feet, not like your daughter who can really bring it, mix it up, you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm not talented in sport. This man can turn his hands to things. He's got great coordination. I'm not the best at anything. I sometimes say, no, it's true. I just sometimes, Caroline would tell me off, but she, she'd say, you must stop saying that. But I just think, actually, I look and I think people are brilliant. They're talented. They're unbelievable. But actually, what I've realized is this. It's not about talent. It's about character. Because talent is a gift, but character is a choice. And there are many talented people who have no character. They are brilliant. They have the touch of genius on them, but they have no moral foundation of character. Billy Graham said it best. The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money. Don't try and accumulate money for them and think, I've got to set them up or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. My grandson, who we've just got, Josiah, I want him to say of Pops, Pops is a man of impeccable character. That's my legacy. I want my kids, Annie, Eleanor, Isaac, I had to think about that, how many I've got, because I've got four, okay, and Lilia, okay, I'm best not, I want them to say that, that our dad was a, was a man of character. We understand his frailties, we understand his imperfections, but he had a good moral character. Not perfect, the queen, by the way, wasn't perfect, let's not make her a saint, but let me say she promoted and, 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 and brought her uh, character values through. It's a legacy. It's a leg- are, are you getting this? Are you getting something from it? Let it be something. And it's not too late, you know. You know, if you've had a, you're on your fourth marriage or, you know, your life's been tragic and, you know, your kids are all wayward and you think, oh, flipping out. And, and you're, going out the, you're going out of church with your head down. Don't. It's not too late. 
Just ask God, God, I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to make some choices. I'm going to be with some great people of character. Something's going to be built in me. You know, you're, 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 you're not dead. Where, the, where there's life, there's hope. <laughs> where, where, where there's still living breath in you. God can do something with you. Thirdly, I've got to move quickly. I want my words to be a legacy. You know this stuff. This is simple preaching. But Proverbs 18 verse 21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Let me say it another way. Words kill. Words can give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. Your words are either poison or medicine. (laughs) I want my words to be a legacy. I want some of these fine young men. I'm looking at this man at the moment. Sits on our board. Brings a great contribution. But I, I, I want uh, Nathan to think of my life and when I'm long gone and all the rest of it. You know, Christian, he, he left a legacy of words. I've always been impacted by phrases that you say, my dad said, or I heard this said. I want to do, I've tried to do that with my kids. I've tried to lay some principles in them of words that they'll repeat. Truth that they'll repeat. Because I want to leave a legacy of words. I want to leave a legacy of words in Arena Church. When I'm long gone, I'm not leading this. But we never move from that thought of everybody is a somebody at Arena Church. That's a powerful statement. If you're here and you feel like you're a nobody, you are a somebody. Can I hear a big shout of amen? Everybody is a somebody at Arena Church. Oh, yes. (laughs) Nobody is a nobody. These are powerful words and they bring life. And I'm not talking about hyping up, I'm talking about building up. Actually, I'm talking about hoping up. I often say, I don't want to hype you up, I want to hope you up. Now, we need to be careful as well, quickly, with words of, uh, the words that we speak, because people say, okay, we live in such a fragile world at the moment, you can't say anything to anybody without them getting offended. Did I just say that publicly? Oh my goodness, it's true. We need to stop it. We need to not be so fragile and we not so, not be so picky. We need to call out those things that are being horrible. And we know when they're being horrible. But sometimes people are being inoffensive and we're just so sensitive to things. And sometimes I'm not able to speak words of truth because two people are too fragile to hear the truth. So let's keep growing up. Arena Church Mansfield, let's keep growing up. Nudge the nursing person next to you and say, I'm going to keep growing up. Come on. I'm going to keep growing up. You know, the word of God is only received to those who are, who are willing to grow up and mature. Paul tells us that. And if we want a legacy of words, we've got to be grown up. We've got to mature so we can receive words of truth and words of life. But as I finish, I also want to speak that you can over people. You can. I was telling a story about one of our young guys in Ilkeston. He's just got a, got, went to the best, one of the best uh, colleges in Nottingham. He's just, the, he did a work experience uh, in the law courts and whatever. They've now offered him an apprenticeship. They're going to put him through his law degree. They're going to pay him thousands of pounds a year to do this, put him all the way through it. And, and he's also entering the local race to be a local councillor. If he gets it, he'll be the youngest local councillor in Ilkeston ever. 
and uh, he's, got a, he's got an ambition uh, privately to say, well, why can't I be the uh, next Prime Minister of... of well, uh, I'm all for that. That's like red rag. I'm, I'm like saying, you can. You can. If you will trust God with this, if you will work hard, if you'll be diligent, if you'll keep character, good character. I want to speak the you can over people. Yes. I want my words to build, to build up. Fourthly, because time's really against me, generosity. I want my life to be a legacy of generosity. It says in Proverbs 11 verse 25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. John Wesley, the pioneer of the Methodist church, that was on fire. When he died and they wrote a tribute in the newspaper, his legacy, this is what they said of him. John Wesley left a few coins in his well-worn minister's cloak, hundreds of books and the Methodist church. Wow. I put in brackets that was on fire. And by the way, John Wesley, equivalent today, had literally tens of millions of pounds flow through his hands personally. Personally. Instead of D.L. Moody, he had tens of millions of pounds flow through his hands. When somebody once said, why was that? He said, because none of it stuck. It just kept flowing. Now, I'm not saying you can't have, you can have a few more than a few coins and bought a few books. And, but what I'm saying is, let's live with generosity. We can get through these crises. I understand putting it on God, but there's also an application to all of us. If we see need, let's make sure we meet it. That's being, a, that's being a brother and sister in Christ. The Bible says that we should take care for everybody, especially the family of believers. So if we see a need... I do it many, many times in the life of the church. I see a need. I say, me and Caroline, I'm not asking the church. We'll, we'll, we'll sort this. <laughs> we can sort this. We've got sufficient you know, margin to be able to do this. Living with generosity. Now, those things dig deep because we told you have to accumulate. You've got to get what you can. I'm not saying you can't have those things. But what I'm saying is, let's live with big hearted. Let's live with generosity. Again, another pastor said to me over the weekend, he says, you cannot outgive God. And actually, you know, the more you give away, the more God blesses you and the more God looks after you. It's true. Many people here are living proof of that principle. So can I encourage you to leave a legacy of generosity, make generous generosity part of your growth strategy and also your legacy strategy. <laughs> you know, you'll grow as you give. Some of you don't like giving. I can see just with your faces. I'm glad the lights are dimmed, actually. Um, I'm just mixing it up a little bit, okay? There's pain sometimes, but what God does, he brings you from the pain into the joy. You know, and some people are not, I think actually not something, I think all of us are fundamentally selfish because we've got sin in our life and, 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 and selfishness and sin always bring us to the point where we don't want to give away. But as we do it in Jesus' name, and as we do it because we love to do it, not begrudgingly, there's a joy that comes and God just releases blessing. I'm not promising you Ferraris and Lamborghinis, but I am promising that God will take care of your needs. Lastly, anybody getting anything from this? Give me, encourage me if you do. Wonderful. Just legacy thoughts. What do we want him to be known for? I want to be known as a man of generosity, Paul. And fifthly, I want to be known as a man of service. I said to Paul as I was driving in, Paul's one of the leaders here. Paul, for many years, he served on our, on, our, on our eldership board and has been carried lots of things. And 
Paul was one of the guys here who led the charge in this building when we took it on. Many people here haven't got a scooby-doo about this. That's a clue, by the way. Not a scooby-doo. I'm not talking about sco- Oh, scrabby. I'm, I'm talking about a clue. We don't have a clue about this building. I just want to be clear. Okay, so you haven't got a clue about this building. But when we took it, it, it just it, it, it smelled of weed, not weeds, but weed and, and alcohol and because it was a pub and all the rest of it. It was shocking, wasn't it? It was really bad. I mean, I kept coming in and I thought, I quite like this smell. I didn't know what this smell was. <laughs> what I didn't realise, I was, woo, I'm joking, okay, I'm joking. <laughs> if you do those things, don't do them and we can talk to you about them, okay. It was a mess, wasn't it? It was tragic. The fifth thing is service. I want to leave a legacy of service. Now, what I am saying to you is this, really quickly. You can't get to God through works, but you can't show you love God without doing works. And if you just come and sit, oh, I love God and I worship and I praise God on a Sunday. I am getting in your face a little bit. There's got to be more than that. Because the way that we express God is the way that we serve God. We can't get to God through service, but service is really important. And I remember when we took this building on, we didn't have shed loads of money. We didn't, and, and we still haven't now, but we just determined to get at it. And I remember for, it was for months and it felt like every night I was trying to reflect, was it? It was for many, many nights in a week. I would do a full day's work at the office and then I would come here, drive over and I would put my work, but I did literally dozens of people and we just worked. If I can say this really respectfully, I let the charges leave pastor. I led the charge. I got involved. I was drilling holes, probably not well. If Paul were looking at me saying, get him out of the way. I'm sure they were whispering, get him out of the way. He's useless on this stuff. But painting and moving and sweeping and cleaning and all the things. Why am I saying all this? I want to leave a legacy of service. Now this building is not where we want it to be. There's a number of reasons behind that. And I did feel intentional coming here to say it. One, because there's a challenge with, with cash. It's, a, it's an expensive building to keep. And if, by the way, if you're here and you're not giving and part of the life of the church, would you consider just... Give in. If this is your family, just give to God. Honour God. It's not going to all go on the building, but honour God. Secondly, why it's like it is, is because there's just a few people who are doing a lot of work. So can I just say, I didn't ask Josh, I was going to say this, get involved. Serve. The Bible says, serve one another. The Bible encourages to serve God. What is the example that Jesus gave us? He got a bowl and a towel. He was well above that. We're talking about the king of all kings. Who strips off and literally washes the disciples' feet. He served. You know, there's something about legacy. I do want to leave this building. Because by the way, the surveyor, when he looked at this, he said, this building's been up for 100 years and it'll go for another few hundred years. It'll go, it's so well built. But it's big. And it takes a lot of sorting out. 
But I would like to think, I keep looking at Paul, but I would like to think, Paul, that when we've literally gone, this building will still be standing and this will be a great presence in the town. And by the way, we want to get it to the point where literally a thousand people can come through the life of this church and they can as we do the stages as we go. That's why we bought it. It's never about the building, Paul. It's never about the building. It's never, I'm not all, this building's lovely. I'm all for people. But this just becomes a boat for us to go fishing from. Have you got that? So let's continue to work hard. Let's continue to serve. The queen served with dignity and with duty. And she worked hard. She was one of the hardest working royals. What a legacy. I want it to be said of me. Some of the guys joke. I get a little bit upset about it. I've talked to one about him. I said, what do you mean? You know, do you think I don't work hard? No, no, I'm just having some fun with you. I was probably being a bit oversensitive. So I want you to know I work hard. I work hard with what I'm doing. I try and be diligent. I try and apply myself to things. I do get involved in practical things where, it's nece- where, 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 where necessary. Because I want my life to reflect service. Quickly, I said this at a Bible teaching in the week. Some people want it to happen. Some people wish it could happen. Some people make it happen. I want to be a, my life to be defined, not just through prayer, but also with service. I want to see doing good as an important part of my Christian faith. I want to leave an indelible mark on this world through good deeds. I want it to be said of me, yes, Christian was incredibly benevolent. Christian was incredibly kind. Christian worked hard. <laughs> Christian had good character. Christian prayed. But I also want my service to be a reflection of, of my life. Is that okay? Legacy. We'll finish. But here's the question, which I started with. What are you known for? What are you known for?